This week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup for the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 13th of January and joining me today is Orla. Hello. And Michael. Hello. What have you guys got? I'll be talking about board games, jazz and cinema this week. And I've got a couple of cracking pieces of theatre and music from 1900 Paris. And I've got Agatha Christie's Life, Come Dine With Me Comedy Action and a festival celebrating the classical world. And first up, congratulations to Oxford United, who beat Swansea 3-2 in the FA Cup at the weekend, Woo! which is a huge scalp stake. Uh, they're going to play either Newport or Blackburn in the next round, which will be Saturday the 30th of January. And that'll be a home game at the Sam Stadium. So make sure you get your tickets for that. I'm pretty sure that'll sell out. Now on to our Oxford Fact of the Week. As some of you may know, it's the 40th anniversary of the death of Agatha Christie. Known as the Queen of Crime, Agatha Christie's novels have sold over 100 million copies worldwide and she remains the number one best-selling author of all time. Really? Yeah, she hasn't been taken over yet. That's very cool. (laughs) She spent much of her time in a country house in Wallingford, living there with her husband for 42 years, uh, Sir Max Mallowin. She's buried at St Mary's Church in Chalsey and her grave is actually under her married name, so if you're going to go have a look, look out for that. Wallingford's actually supposed to be the fictional town of Market Basing and Miss Marple's house is supposed to be based on Christie's own house. I had no idea there was such a local connection with Agatha Christie. That's cool. Very cool. There's going to be an exhibition in Wallingford Museum from March until November, which will explore her later life, including photos, letters and correspondence with the chairman of the local theatre group. Because apparently she loved Panto. (laughs) Cool. Who doesn't? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, many people. (laughs) Losers. (laughs) Well, there's another exhibition on at the Western Library at the moment as well. This opened on Friday. It's called Playing the Game, and it features 22 board games dating from 1800 to the year 2000. And they all show how children would have learnt about the world around them from these board games. So some of the games, for example, help you learn about British kings and queens. Others are about the British Empire or military history. And the games uh, represent just a few of 1,500 board games that have just been donated to the Bodleian by collector Richard Ballam, who will be giving a talk about the collection later in the month. And what's quite fun about the games is they give you a bit of an insight into the Victorian Edwardian attitudes and their representation of history. So in the Kings and Queens game, for example, there's no reference to all of Henry VIII's wives. (laughs) <laughs> and another game called Suffragetto is a game of strategy played between suffragettes and policemen, which sounds quite fun. I'd quite like to play that one, I think. And one game's just called British versus Germans. Um, the ex- exhibition runs until the 6th of March and it's free. It's open Monday to Friday, 8.30 till 5 o'clock, Saturday 9 till 5, Sunday 11 till 5. And the talk with Richard Ballam will be on at 1pm next Wednesday, the 20th of January. Do you have a favourite board game? I quite like Labyrinth. I think it's a German game where you sort of push these pieces from one end of the board to the other and then it like sort of changes the paths that you can go through to collect different items. That's quite good. Also Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, that's a classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael? That works. I've got a bit of a terrible reputation with board games. Are you overly competitive? Underly competitive? Oh. Um, usually, well, usually I 
it's I just find it really hard to pick up new rules to something the first time round, and then people sometimes feel sorry for me and try to help, and then I end up winning, which is really <laughs> obviously really annoying for them. I do like playing chess in the pub as well. It's mm. always good fun. What about you, Katie? Uh, Cluedo, I think, is always going to be number one. Mm. Yeah, I like a good whodunit. Nice. Many of you will have heard the sad news of the genius David Bowie's death this week. As a tribute, the Cat Weasel Club is renaming their session on Thursday to the Bow Weasel Club. This is held at the East Oxford Community Centre at 8pm. They're encouraging performers to come along and pay tribute to the great master of pop. It costs £6 and go along with your best Bowie tribute. And presumably lots of dressing up as well. Oh yes, yeah. I'm sure I that's encouraged. So. Yeah. This Friday and Saturday in Wexford's fine Pegasus Theatre is Doll's House, a piece in the medium of Utah. <laughs> Please write in to complain if I'm mispronouncing, as ever. Uh, it looks really cool. Don't expect an adaptation of Ibsen's play of almost the same name mm. as Doll's House, uh, but much as that questions societal roles in 19th century marriage, this takes an exploratory look at similar matters um, outside of a specific time period. So, Butoh. Uh, spelled B-U-T-O-H. I've definitely been it's, thinking that as Butoh for a long time. I've never pronounced it correctly in yeah. my life before today, so don't <laughs> worry. It's a Japanese form of dance theatre um, with unusually distorted movements um, and graceful slow motion as well and white body paint usually uh, characterise it. This arose in the late 50s to offer an alternative to traditional no theatre and a rebellion against dance forms that aped the Western styles too much. This work, though, is a collaboration between European artists and Café Reason, who are uh, putting it on, is an Oxford-based company. It's the only permanent butar company in the UK outside London, with live music from an original score and filmed elements too. So there is a narrative here, um, very much wedded to the form uh, in which characters find an old doll's house and a dressing up box full of satin and tat and what happens next shows how they push against the limitations of their own bodies and gender roles. So that's Doll's House at the Pegasus Theatre this Friday and Saturday at 7.30pm and that's £13, £9 concession, under 18s, it's £6 for you, go on. (laughs) Are you guys fans of the show Come Dine With Me? Yes, or at least the voiceover guy. See, it's particularly good. <laughs> Dave Lamb, I think. Legend. Oh, I just like it when things go terribly wrong. <laughs> well, you're in luck. <laughs> you may have seen the episode uh, based in East Oxfordshire where uh, one of the contestants didn't take losing particularly well. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen this story, basically a man called Peter came last um, but went on to berate a fellow contestant, Jane, telling her to pay for lessons in grace and decorum and essentially kicking out the contestants with a take your money and get off my property. (laughs) Sounds classic. (laughs) It was pretty great. One of the other contestants who was there and who has commented on it quite a lot is performing at the Jericho Comedy Night on Friday. His name is Adam Mastorini and he has entitled himself The American from Come Dine With Me. (laughs) And he is a stand-up comedian and a PhD student here at Oxford. Joining him on... Friday, uh, Honest Comedy and Broadway Baby. I imagine Alex will be producing lots of one-liners and maybe a song. 
maybe if you want to go along and interrogate him more about what actually happened that night, then head on to Jericho Comedy on Friday at 9pm. Tickets are £4 or £3 in advance. And proceeds from the Jericho Comedy Nights go to charity as well. So it's all for a good cause and it's really cheap and it should be a fun night out. Mm. So on Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon, which is a lovely time to see a concert, there's a concert on at St Andrew's Headington. It's called Music from 1900 Paris. Musical Reflections, the Eiffel Tower and the East. It's music from the Paris of the turn of the century, well, the turn of that century, featuring Satie and Stravinsky, who composed for the Ballet Russe, and Debussy, and the music of the Javanese Gamelan. So, uh, the 1889 Paris World's Fair is a bit of a big deal. If you're in the crowd, you may have bumped into Gauguin, Munch, Van Gogh, Whistler, Edison, Tesla, people you might know. Not bad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. And the Eiffel Tower was built for the occasion. For real. Lifts hadn't been finished yet, so if the guests wanted to get to the second story, they had to walk. Didn't, um, didn't bother then. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long way up. Yeah. It, yeah. And they probably, they probably didn't know how cool it was going to mm. be. Mm. But, yeah, this fair brought all kinds of world culture to Europe that hadn't been heard or seen before. And Javanese gamelan is a traditional music of Java. It's a massive Indonesian island played on mainly percussive instruments. And this totally transfixed Claude Debussy and showed him alternatives to Western harmony and a kind of opened up a, a freedom of composition he hadn't heard of before or thought of before. Yeah, so all these outside of Europe influences figured in his, in his subsequent work. Of course, they went through his uh, filter, as these things always do. Stravinsky and Seti also feature on, on the bill. And Isaiah and Debussy were all composers for the, the Ballet Russe, this company who would often have its sets designed by Matisse and Pablo Picasso. Serious, serious names to drop today. And Stravinsky's own Firebird and Petrushka, etc. So Paris <laughs> at this at this time, it's a major cultural centre. And at this event, you'll get to hear uh, some examples of Europe becoming aware of traditional culture from the other side of the world and trying to incorporate elements of, of world music into European classical stuff. So yeah, the ensemble is the Mysterious Brio Ensemble, who I actually don't know who they are. Fortunately, I can't give everything away, so that will remain a nice surprise for Sunday afternoon. It's at St Andrew's Heddington at 4pm, £10 entry, £5 for kids. Should sound delicious. <laughs> Or if you'd like to see some different music on Sunday afternoon, although the Paris thing does sound really cool, at the Oxford Wine Cafe on South Parade, ukulele jazzman Phil Dolman will be playing. He plays regular ukulele and bass ukulele, <laughs> and he'll be playing there from 6.30pm. It's free, other than the cost of your wine, um, and I reckon it'd be a nice way to spend a Sunday evening. If you want to be able to ask for a cigarette in every language, as... <laughs> <laughs> as Bowie was able to. Why not see what language classes are happening in Oxford by going to our tuition page? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your other podcast providers to make sure that you get it straight to your device every Wednesday. And for a wide range of clothes and accessories, there's a bit of an online dressing up box on Daily Info in our clothes column. Maybe you can find something to help you look like the thin white joke or Mr. Stardust. 
Now, if you're a fan of documentaries about the ancient worlds of Rome or Greece, you might be particularly interested in this event happening next Monday. It's called the Festival of Lost Cities and it's happening at the East Oxford Community Classic Centre on Monday from 3pm until 7 and I chatted to Dr Lorna Robinson about about what's going on at the festival. Well, it's a very large community festival, so for all ages, for everyone to come along, free of charge, and it's called the Festival of Lost Cities, so it's themed on different ancient lost cities. So we've taken over Cheney School, which is where the East Oxford Classic Centre is based, and visitors will get a passport, an ancient passport, when they arrive, and they will be able to follow a map and visit lots of ancient cities. What cities have you got? We've got Alexandria in Egypt. We've got Rome, Athens. We've got Delphi, so people can consult the oracle. Um, We've got Knossos, so the legend of the Minotaur and the labyrinth. Um, And we have Troy, so the Trojan War themed. And we've also, as an extra, um, East Oxford Primary School are going to be running an ancient version of Baghdad. So a real range of cities. Yeah. Um, So it should be really fun. Brilliant. And you've got lots of talks happening. We do. Parallel to the festival, which will take place across most of the school, in the assembly hall, we've got speakers coming in to speak about cities. So the first one is Michael Scott. So he's a lecturer from Warwick in classics, but does lots of TV things. He recently did a series on Invisible Rome with Alexander Armstrong, I think. Um, So he's talking about Invisible Rome to kick off at 3.15. Then we've got Natalie Haynes, who classically became a stand-up comedian. So she's recently published a novel called The Amber Fury. So she's going to be talking about the city of Thebes because it's themed on tragedy and that's interwoven throughout the novel, which is really, really good. And then Martha Carney is coming to talk about ancient beekeeping because she's really into beekeeping. And then finally, the keynote to wrap it all up will be Bethany Hughes. So she's going to do a QA and a on the greatest cities on earth. which will be really exciting. That sounds fascinating. So, yeah, quite a range of speakers. um, And, yeah, we're all really excited to to welcome them and hear them. Cool. You saying about the passport thing reminds me of when I was at school, primary school, we used to do the passport thing and go travel into these ancient worlds. Do you get yeah. to, do you get your passport stamped? You do. In Fantastic. every city, there'll be you can get them stamped, and also there will be various stalls and activities where people might give you a sticker or you write something down in your passport. So by the end, your passport will hopefully be full of interesting things to take away. Thought that would be a nice extra feature to have. Yeah. There will also be passport checkers <laughs> floating around, <laughs> checking people have got their passports. So, yeah, um, it's fully incorporated into the whole festival idea. Fantastic. And you've got live performances happening as well. We do. Um, in Rome, in the city of Rome, we've got a theatre bit. And uh, every 20 minutes or so, there'll be a different performance. So we have three performers. We've got a dance and music act called Avid for Ovid who do musical performances of myths from Ovid's poetry and they're, they're quite startling to watch and they do live music, so it's really mesmerising. We've got a theatre company called Unmythable who, uh, they sort of, they're like the Reduced Shakespeare Company but for classical myth. So um, they'll do some short little pieces on myth. And then we have some reenactors called Comitatus and they're going to do gladiator fighting. So a real mix of dramatic, quite different stuff going on. Yeah. So and because it's running all afternoon, people will drop into Rome and something will be happening. So there'll be lots, so much to see and do um, whenever people turn up because it starts at 3.30 and runs, the festival bit will run right up until Bethany starts at 6. So people can drop in at any time. 
Listen to the full Oxcast Extra interview to find out what else the centre offers, hear about the upcoming performance of Liza Strata, and to find out what Lorna thinks about the classics in the mainstream. So that's the Festival of Lost Cities at the East Oxford Community Classics Centre on Monday at 3.30pm, and it's free. At the North Wall Arts Centre is Calrophobia, a tale of two clowns trapped in a cardboard world. It looks like a massively fun set design. Okay, Calrophobia, if I'm saying that right, is fear of clowns, and if you suffer from that, this show is definitely not going to be therapeutic. It's a rather anarchic mix of sketches, mime, and good healthy dose of slapstick with audience participation. The promo video shows Adam the Clown gallivanting around paradise until he's rudely awoken. He's stuck with a valuable friend, uh, Dick, also a clown, and they find themselves imprisoned in this world made entirely of cardboard. No idea how they got there, and they have the sneaking suspicion that someone's pulling their strings as if they're being made to perform. Mm. Controlling their movements is an evil villain, also a clown, (laughs) (laughs) and the only loophole they find uh, to escape is if they convince real humans, read audience members, to replace them. So how up for it will those assemblies be? That sounds be? horrible. It's, it sounds like you gotta be gotta be ready for that. It looks like loads of like it, it does look a bit dark, dark enough to work. It looks like loads of fun as well. Um, very inventive. Pickled Image are the company responsible, and their speciality is puppetry for theatre and live shows. They did uh, like an all age fairy tale retelling, Wolf Tales, a few years ago where Mr. B.B. Wolf gets to tell his side of the story and clear his name. And The Little Shop of Horrors, a hyper-referential, and it's the, it's the freakiest show. Do you actually suffer from colorophobia, Orla? No. Uh, I don't really like them. I wouldn't say I'm actually totally terrified. It's not a phobia. Yeah. I think I have more trouble with ventriloquist dummies. Oh, they're not cool. Yikes. They're really not cool. No. But it's weird when you hold one that you, you assign a character to it, and mm. like you actually start thinking it's real. It's really gross. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This show sounds like a two-for-one for fears, though. Like, audience participation sounds. <laughs> if, you do want, if you do need to conquer some fears, yeah. this is probably a good uh, arena in which to do it. Safe. Safe space. And also <laughs> fictional, so it's fine. If you have colorophobia and social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go. There were going to be two showings of this at the North Wall. Now there's only one on Tuesday. So it's at 8pm. £14, £12 concessions. Go conquer some fears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, many people will know I'm pretty much hooked to the silver screen, so I've got a few uh, cinema picks for you this week that you can go go see some of the ones I think could be some of the best. Um, so Grandma is my first pick. And so in Grandma, Lily Tomlin plays a foul-mouthed, no-nonsense septuagenarian whose granddaughter comes to her looking for $600 because she needs an abortion. But Granny's broke and she's cut up all her credit cards and made them into a mobile. And uh, so they end up going on a road trip in a 1955 Dodge, tracking down ex-boyfriends and girlfriends and seeing if any of them can lend them a bit of money for this abortion. <laughs> it looks like one of the most interesting comedies of the year. I think there would be a lot of laughs in there. It's only 79 minutes as well. And it's getting some attention around award season, but I'm not sure it's quite the kind of film that Oscar voters go for with uh, some of its subject matter. But anyway, we'll see. I think that would be uh, really good. That's on at the UPP from Friday this week. Another Oscar contender, though, Room, opens this week at Maudlin Street Odeon and at the Phoenix. Um, so Room is the latest film by uh, from Irish director Lenny Abramson, who previously made Frank, um, What Richard Did, and Adam and Paul, all of which were 
amazing and slightly uh, weirdly different films, but he's a really talented director. It's adapted from an Emma Donoghue book, and having read a couple of reviews of this, I kind of don't want to give much away. I think it's the type of film that you'd really benefit from not knowing anything about it. Mm. So I'll just kind of leave it at that, but definitely go and see it if you can this week. Brie Larson is a favourite to win the Best Actress Oscar for this as well, having just won the Golden Globe and she's nominated for a BAFTA. And last but not least, on Sunday, the Phoenix will be screening cult movie Labyrinth at 2.30 as a tribute to David Bowie, The Goblin King. Weirdly though, so when I was looking this up, apparently Michael Jackson was the first choice Whoa. for The Goblin King for this film. What? And then second choice was Sting. And then director Jim Hansen's kids convinced him to pick <laughs> Bowie. Uh, I think those would have been two very different films from yeah. what, what resulted. I can kind of see Sting making yeah. it work, but... <laughs> Not in the same. Wouldn't be the same. Anyway, Labyrinth, 2.30 at the Phoenix on Sunday. Make sure to listen to next week's Oxcast, where I'll be interviewing the production team from The Wrong Crowd about their next show, Kite. Find full event listings of everything that's going on in Oxford and in the surrounding area on dailyinfo.co.uk and check out our new site, which will be launched very soon, at beta.dailyinfo.co.uk. Yep, and to be kept up to date on everything that's going on in this glorious city, you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter uh, at Daily Info Oxford. Daily, daily, daily info. Mm. Daily, daily, daily info. Mm.